This podcast contains real talk about the mayhem of motherhood, along with a weekly medical mystery. Because all of these topics can be pretty graphic, and because we use explicit language, listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Motherhood, Mayhem, and Medical Mysteries podcast. On this show, we are not attempting to solve the major medical mysteries of the world or tell you how to raise your kids. We are definitely not doctors or scientists of any kind. We are just two moms here to provide you with support, resources, and maybe a few laughs along the way. We do a lot of research and will definitely share the things we learn, but please talk to a professional if you have specific concerns about your experiences. Here's Melanie. She's an Enneagram 5 who hates being hugged, but I always hug her anyway. And there's Miranda, who recently fell out of the tree in my front yard. So, Miranda, how are you feeling? Well, my back is killing me, and it's been killing me all week. So, Hmm. yeah. Yeah. Thank you for uh, reminding me of my my injury at your house earlier this week because I definitely fell out of the tree. It was my personal Dear Evan Hansen moment. I was laying on my back. My head cracked open on a magnolia root. It was very morbid. And I your nearly head died. did not crack open and you didn't pass out. And that in and of itself is such a victory for me. It really is. It was a I'm, win all around. It really was. It really was. I'm the girl who passed out when I lost my first tooth. So it's just kind of what I do. I'm a passer outer. But yeah, I hung in. I, I hung in until I didn't when I yeah. originally fell out of the tree. You know, listeners, this was kind of embarrassing, but I should admit I had a margarita prior to this experience. And Melanie's son, Jonah, is like, Miss Aranda, come climb this awesome tree with me. You'll love it. That isn't that isn't what happened, actually. He wanted you to swing with him and you chose to climb the child ladder. (laughs) The the ladder was calling my name. It was. And I it was funny because I, I took the first step up the ladder and I could see myself going all the way up into this tree and just being one with the sky and Mother Earth. And I took that leap of faith and I just kept on climbing until the limb to which said ladder was affixed completely detached from said tree. Like from the trunk. It just (laughs) came out. I've never seen anything like it. But the important thing is you're fine. I'm fine. For the most part. And you didn't pass out. I did good. I did good. Miranda, I was thinking, you know, it's uh, when this comes out, it will be like full-fledged summertime, Mm -hmm. which is a really good time to go to concerts. Yeah. Do you remember the last time we went to a concert? Yeah, we went to go see Alanis Morissette in Charlotte, and it was amazing. I have never felt so much raging feminine energy 
contained in one location and it was a full moon and we looked hot we looked hot as hell okay we were looking (laughs) good i don't know what skincare product routine i was using at the time but you were radiant and i was glowing and we were we were snacks I mean, uh, us and our friends all looked great. I think it was the feminine energy. I don't know if it was the skincare routine, but and also the anticipation, because if you'll remember, those are the tickets that I purchased for you and our other good friend as a birthday present in very early 2020. So like I bought them in February. The concert was supposed to be that summer. Mm -hmm. And then we didn't even get to go until... What it was? 2022. I think it was August. Yeah, August of 2022. Mm-hmm. It was Gosh. much anticipated. So anticipated and so amazing and so worth it. Alanis, we love you. We love you so much. She's amazing. She's she really amazing, is. and she can sing like nobody's business. And I mean, she just she left it all on the stage that night for us. Quite okay, good. so here's what I wanted to get to with this story. Mm-hmm. I feel like. You need to tell our listeners what happened oh. after oh. the concert. Oh, I was worried you were you were getting to. Well, I mean, I feel like it's just one of those real life moments uh, that we need to share. I feel like I'm not the only mom who has been in this situation. You're definitely not. Oh my gosh. I don't want you to share to put you on the spot. I just feel like it's a situation (laughs) that's occurred to other people who are listening and they might appreciate hearing that they're not alone. Okay. Well, I will do it. I will do it for you women. I will share this story with you listeners, you ladies and gents and everybody, because this is real and this is what happens. And apparently things just happen to me in my life. And it, and this one also begins with me drinking. So there's a theme here. Those drinks that they sell at the concert are not normal sized drinks. And oh, the yeah. bathroom is forever away. Way too far away. So you start drinking the bathroom and you've had like too a far away double white claw it's like a nobody double white even claw. wants that but it's hot out but also like you don't want to miss any of the show because no. it's alanis it so, was like hit after hit after hit you, i mean you couldn't step away it was incredible and you don't want to because you have to walk through a massive sea of people because it's mm-hmm. you know it's an outdoor concert so you it's have not to like do that. you just excuse go me, to the excuse aisle me. excuse me yeah sorry it's excuse like me I have to go across four football fields full of people to get to the bathroom, not like, oh, I'm just going to duck out this little stadium door and run across the hall. All right. So 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 all of that to say, drinking lots of alcohol, plus being outside, plus being at a concert that you don't want to miss a lot of, plus being in a massive crowd of people... You really only allow yourself like one potty break during the show. And that's what I did. We did. That's what I did. I allowed myself the one potty break, but then there was more drinking after that. And you know what happens when you drink? You have to pee. It's just natural. It happens Mm -hmm. to all humans. It happens to all animals. So it's the end of the concert. I have to pee so bad. My eyeballs are about to just plop out of my head. 
And our whole group is like ready to go. And apparently like nobody else has to pee. Everybody else is like so chill. I don't know how you guys do it with your steel bladders. So off we go through the massive exodus of you know, 7,000 people right. walking through the grass. And we passed by the bathrooms, but as we're passing by them, like the lines are 20 people deep. Massive line. And I'm just telling myself, hey, if I make it back to the car, I'll just like crack the door and cop a squat real and quick we, in the parking lot. We actually discussed that. And that was the yeah, plan because that was that's plan. like a classic Bonnaroo move when you're in the campground. You just crack a door, use it as like partial coverage mm-hmm, and you do what mm-hmm, you got to do. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally acceptable in, However, in today's day and age. However, we got to the parking lot and for safety purposes, it was incredibly well lit. Like you could probably very. see this parking lot from outer space. Well, and, and all of the vehicles that were parked around our vehicle, the people were already back to them. So there's people rummaging everywhere. There is lights as bright as lights can be. And then there's really no opportunity, you know, to, to find a tree line nearby. And I'm hurting. I'm hurting, Melanie. I'm in pain. So we get, I into, remember I was we there. get into your car <laughs> and it's four of us and we pile in the Prius and I'm in the back seat. And I, I'm like, okay. I too was in the back seat. That's right. You were. Reason. That's right. You were. We were letting our friend drive, which is kind of odd. <laughs> no, no. We were we, being responsible. Like, we had had a lot to drink. She had no, we okay. I feel like we need to confess true confession. When Miranda says we've had a lot to drink, that means that we've had two drinks. We are not very good at drinking two concert beers, two concert beers. They're the big guys. We didn't even though we had one and then we split one. I feel like I had a lot more to drink. You always think you had a lot more to drink, but you have not hung out with my cousins. Um, but anyway. We had staggered it so that our friend had drank earlier at like happy hour time Mm -hmm. and then she was good and then I drove us to the concert then she was driving us back from the concert. This is my friend Melanie. She remembers all the things. She remembers everything. We had everything. plotted it all out, but here we are in the Prius, and, and I had, had to pee, pee to the point so like bad. she's gonna die. And we're facing one of those concert exit situations where you have no mm-hmm. idea how mm-hmm. long it's gonna take you, and all you see are the red tail lights, and you're red just tail like, lights. And now I'm it's gonna raining. be sitting here for forty minutes. I'm gonna sit here for forty minutes, and I made up my mind right then and there. I said I can't sit here for forty minutes. I need a solution, and I need it now. So I start rummaging around the Prius. And this was one of those concerts where, you know, you have the clear bag policy and they're like, oh, you can bring one clear gallon Ziploc bag of your stuff. You guys know where I'm going with this. And I find you did tell us in an earlier episode that that was a tip was to always bring gallon (laughs) Ziploc bags. I don't think I put two and two together with that. But actually, actually, (laughs) didn't even put that together. So 
when a girl's got to go, a girl's got to go. Okay. And I found that gallon Ziploc bag and I just kind of pulled down my pants in the back of your Prius. Actually, I didn't pull down my pants because I was wearing my big swishy pants, my big swishy you hippie just pants. slid them to the side. <laughs> I just slid them to the side and I propped that little Ziploc bag right up, you know, right up to me. And I just let her rip. <laughs> and, and Melanie couldn't believe that it was actually happening like right before her eyes well i was just like it's gonna get all over she's like no i put down the the blanket that we'd taken to sit on i did i put the blanket under me it was a miracle honestly (laughs) it was a miracle that i peed in that gallon ziploc bag in the back of that prius and while we were driving (laughs) it was amazing and i felt so good but the best part was when I like lifted it up and it probably had like 20 ounces of pee in it like it was, it was like so half much full. pee it was so it much was pee so much pee and I was like look I told you guys I had to go and nobody could believe how much pee it was I mean we were all really really <laughs> impressed by this whole feat that she had just, just pulled off I had to do it I had and to she do didn't it get any pee on my car seat I, it I was, did it I it did was it. amazing I made sure I had that bag secure and I held on to it what oh did my we gosh. do with it though I don't I poured remember it, I poured it out I poured it out we we got to a place where we kind of came to like a rolling stop and I cracked open my door and just kind of whoop and then we threw gently, it away right dropped it <laughs> we, then we threw the bag away responsibly I did not litter the bag I didn't litter no, the bag no, that no, would be irresponsible no, we didn't litter the bag or throw somewhere. a bag of urine at anyone we didn't do that but anyway I, I mean gracefully poured it on the ground when you gotta go you gotta go okay so oh refer gosh. back to that tip that Miranda said in an earlier episode to always travel with gallons of block bags, folks. Okay, Miranda. So we know that you're very skilled at peeing in a Ziploc bag. What are you going to talk to us about parenting? We had a discussion that tonight would be all about urinary issues. Now, I did not know for sure that you were going to bring up my skills with peeing in the plastic bag. In the How Prius. could I let that go by? It's, it's a really good one. It was a really good one. But guys, lots of... It's the pee episode. Let's do this. Let's just do it. And if we're going to do it, we're going to go all the way. Okay. Miranda, for real, how many times a day do you think you pee? Oh, gosh. I don't know. Probably like 16 that in a 24-hour many... period. Oh, yeah. I pee a lot. I pee a lot, too. And guess what? Nobody ever talks about peeing. Well, we should. And here we are to do this it right now today. I feel yes. like we need to address it. We should address it. And so my topic is bedwetting. Oh, bedwetting. Yep. Yep. Because we have all been there. We have all been there. You hear your child clambering through the darkness. They're sleepy. They're agitated. They're severely confused. And you're like, what is going on? And you stumble out of bed and you scoop them up only to realize that they're soaking wet with Soaking wet. Stinky. The smell of urine is permeating. 
permeating your nostrils. It's the worst. And then, then you have to peel this sticky, stinky pajamas off their little legs. Mm. It's repulsive. And then you throw the whole mess in the washing machine with a heavy glug of vinegar. And, you know, then you kind of get to that point where you're like, okay, how bad is this situation? Do we need to do like a once over with a baby wipe? Or are you like overly ambitious and going to throw them in the shower in the middle of the night? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I opt for the baby wipe option, but I know yeah. there's some folks out there that are like, oh, you're going in the tub after this. That's not me. That's not me. I I'm mean, going you back have to bed. To, you have to go to work in the morning. Like, well, and that's what happens. It's like you, you take care of the kid. Then you have to remake the bed with clean sheets or... Uh, Or if you didn't get around to washing them the last time, it's like a beach towel situation, you know, Mm -hmm. or like a blanket situation. And then your child is completely wide awake. You put them back down and then you go back to bed and you're just staring at the ceiling for like the next 98 minutes because you have to get up and go to work. That's that's what happens. And it happens happens. to us all. And we hate it. Yeah. So. What What is this nemesis that we face in the middle of the night, you may ask? Nocturnal enuresis. Yeah. Oh, wow. Or, or in your in your ECs. In your I don't know. I in don't your, know. We're so good at it. We're so good at this. <laughs> Nocturnal enuresis. In Hold on. Let me get Siri to say it. <laughs> I think it's in your recess. In your Go. Enuresis. Enuresis. Nocturnal enuresis. It kind of sounds like a um like an insult. Like enuresis, Melanie. I know, right? <laughs> a little Take bit. That. A little bit. <laughs> oh my gosh. So for some of our kiddos, it's just a stage. For some of our kiddos, it may be a whole lot longer. Did you ever wet the bed when you were a kid? No, I actually I did not. It was it was not a problem. I'm serious. I've asked my mom. I, I didn't. Are you kidding me? You never no, wet the bed. You I never didn't. wet the bed. No. Ever. No. Oh my gosh. Well, I definitely wet the bed. <laughs> and and the plastic bag. So I wet I wasn't like a habitual long term bed wetter, but I would have my moments. And the funniest moment was I actually shared a room with my sister. And so we slept in the same bed. She's five years younger than me. And I definitely peed in the bed one night. I was maybe eight or so. And it was just like an accident. And I totally blamed it on my sister. (gasps) You did not. I did. So like my... I like went to go get my mom out of bed and I was oh like, Oh my gosh, you evil older I sister. Did. I did. And I was like, Morgan peed the bed. <laughs> oh my gosh. I am so and, sorry, Morgan. And so my mom like leaps out of bed to like come handle the situation. And Morgan's like laying there completely dry, sleeping like a baby, like a little three-year-old angel. And my mom's like, if Morgan peed the bed, why are your panties wet? <laughs> In Eurasis, Miranda. In in Eurasis. <laughs> what a mess. Oh, mom. Uh, she knew. She knew what was up. So the thing is here, bedwetting is super common. Up to 20% of five-year-olds and 10% of 10-year-olds will wet the bed regularly. 
And typically, year over year, there's a spontaneous remission rate of about 14%. So of those kids that are continuously wetting the bed, or every year, 14% of those will remiss and not wet the bed anymore, if that makes sense. That's good. That sounds promising. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, a lot of kids just kind of grow out of it. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But daytime wetting is less common. This occurs in only about 5% of children, most of whom will also wet the bed. For a lot of kids, it's totally normal and nothing to be concerned about. But if you suspect bedwetting is affecting your child's self-esteem or relationships or their performance at school, it's probably time to get some help. Let's talk through kind of some different situations here. What are um, some causes of bedwetting? What are some different things going on with that? And then most importantly, what can we as parents do to, to help our kiddos if this is going on? How do we handle it the best way, right? For a lot of kids, really and truly, it just comes down to bladder control. And that's why so many kids do grow out of it over time. They'll be able to gain this, but the age at which they are masters of their urinary domain will vary. So twice as many boys will wet the bed as girls. Something else to keep in mind. Twice as many boys. So I, I know that it is mostly boys, like amongst my friends that and family members, the boys tend to be the bedwetters. And I wonder like why that is. I didn't find any specific research as to what made the difference with that, but I'm very curious about that. I'm curious about that as well, but I always remember, um, do you remember in Home Alone, like Kevin didn't want to sleep in the attic with his cousin because he... <laughs> His cousin Fuller, because he drank all the Pepsi and always went to bed. He always went <laughs> to bed. Like, I mean, it's it's one of these things, like, people know about it, you know? So there can be a lot of reasons why kiddos wet the bed. Most commonly, it's just brain development. It just takes a while for the brain and the bladder to get on the same page. And again, that's what typically will come with with time and with age. Uh, However, some kids don't produce enough antidiuretic hormone, which is ADH. This Interesting. Yeah. So there's actually a hormone at night that tells the kidneys to make less urine and there is some scientific evidence that some kids who wet the bed release less of this hormone while asleep and of course if they're not producing enough of it then they produce more urine that leads to more bedwetting okay that makes sense yeah interesting i didn't know it was like a hormonal process either but lots of hormonal things happen at night so i'm kind of not surprised to see that nightmares night terrors probably heard that one For sure. Mm -hmm. Another really common one is trauma. A child who's experienced. I was actually going to ask you about that. I was hoping you were going to mention it because I know that that is one of the like initial questions. If you have, Mm -hmm. if you're trying to work with a child that has some trauma bedwetting is one of the main symptoms that they always mention. But even beyond like serious cases of trauma, even just change in life events or disruptions mm-hmm. of routine um, can can cause this, which is why a lot of kids, sometimes they'll be totally fine. But if they go to a sleepover where they're off mm-hmm. the normal routine, maybe they're staying up later, maybe they're drinking more sugary drinks right before bedtime, they're not going potty right before bed because they're excited to be with their friends. 
they're more likely to have an accident in that type of environment. Right. Anyway. And, and I had a friend who their family had moved. Mm hmm just to a new house like the whole family moved but it was just a different environment and yep. he started bedwetting again we went through that with fisher because you know we moved three times while he was potty training and so we were in three different houses and so it was like every time we moved we had to start completely over with potty training him it was like he completely yeah. regressed and it was just being off the routine you know having a different bedroom having a different bathroom having right. a different route to go all these little tiny things affect you know these these tots so much recent illness including utis or medication side effects can cause uh -huh. bedwetting. So, and, and it didn't go into specifics on that, but I think probably medication side effects that cause like increased drowsiness or sleepiness uh -huh. are probably most likely to blame with that. Some kids can just be deep sleepers. And if they're just in a more deep sleep cycle pattern, their brain may not be getting the signal that their bladder is full. So that could be something going on too. And then this is super interesting. So of course we know diet can can come into play here. Drinking too close to, to bedtime right. um, can definitely be an issue. However, constipation can also cause bedwetting. Really? Because, yep. Because if your like bowels are full, it's putting oh. pressure on your bladder. So, and that's something I've, I've had to kind of pay attention to, to my son with this, because if there's any kind of irregularity going on, it comes out in a lot of different ways, right? Like, oh my gosh, if your child is constipated, especially once they're like toileting independently regularly, you may not be as aware that that could be like an issue, but if your child's like especially irritable or uncomfortable or doesn't want to be touched or like lethargic, it literally could just boil down to constipation. Yeah, that's that's a good point. It really is. I mean, it affects everything. It can cause a lot of issues. Now, we mentioned diet. So there are some things with this here. Acidic foods, milk, sugary drinks, and food dyes have been linked to be like irritating to the bladder. And so if your bladder's irritated or like an inflamed, you may be more likely to have to pee more frequently. So you can pay attention to some of those things. So all of these are causes, lots and lots of different causes or possible causes for bedwetting. And considering all of these, we need to kind of understand there's really two types of enuresis or bedwetting. There's primary and there's secondary. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. So let's get into, I feel like I'm I'm doing the medical mystery tonight. You kind like, of are because that's up. just like the insomnia. <laughs> insomnia had primary oh, yeah. and secondary. So here it we did. go. And you know what? Insomnia could be related to bedwetting and vice versa. So okay. who knows? Well, All I don't want to interrupt disorders. your flow, but go for it. <laughs> so primary enuresis refers for children who have never achieved six months of continuously dry nights. So okay. they're still learning. They're not there yet. They're so six months is kind of the time frame. Yeah, that's kind of where you would examine this if you were talking with your pediatrician and they would probably ask these questions. Now, secondary enuresis, and this gets really interesting and kind of goes back to the trauma. This refers to children who previously attained at least six months of dryness, but now they've relapsed. Oh, so they've done it, but now they're not doing it anymore. Correct. Like all wow. of a sudden your child starts spontaneously wetting the bed at like age nine or 10 
that's secondary in uresis. And that is really more cause for concern than the primary, mm-hmm. right? Because the primary, hopefully they'll grow out of it. Hopefully it's a stage. Do what you can with all these different causes and monitoring symptoms and things like that. But the secondary really gets into our, gets our attention. And this is probably something you'd want to throw out to your pediatrician. Um, But it is important to note that pediatricians won't diagnose primary enuresis until age six. So like none of this applies until after your child is six years old anyway. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a lot of years. Well, because it's just so normal. You know, you're talking 25% of kids have this. I feel like it's probably more than that. It's just people don't talk about it. (laughs) That's probably true. What? My child doesn't wet the bed. My child is perfect. (laughs) Franz, bring me my jewels. (laughs) Now, for children who have relapsed into bedwetting, the secondary thing, this is more likely that there may be a medical issue or a psychological issue going on. Now, psychological issues are really the most common. And this could be your child's response to like a divorce that you may be going through, the birth of a new sibling and positive to note, it could be good stress or it could be distress, right? They could wet the bed if there's like a test coming up or if they just won an award or a prize at the science fair. I mean, who knows if they've got a big game coming up. If there's any kind of nerves or psychological stress, it may exhibit itself as bedwetting. For some of these instances, we can get involved and, and do what we can to help. It may be that we need to have a conversation with a pediatrician. We may need to, you know, involve a counselor. There's There's lots of different options. It's just really important at the end of the day to make sure we're getting our kiddos the help that they need. I want to talk about a couple of studies here that I thought were really interesting. So there were some studies that found empirical evidence for increased behavioral problems in bedwetting children. And these studies were repeated in the late 1990s, in the early 2000s, and in the early 2010s. And they all kind of arrived at the same conclusion, which is that typically children who wet the bed have increased rates of behavior problems. So there definitely is a correlation there. All of the studies that I found, fortunately, were very clear that like, they're not saying one is the cause of the other, but these things are correlated. And I think it just really goes back to that psychological distress thing, right? If yeah, a child was that makes sense to me. Like, you know, they probably feel bad. I mean, you wake up covered in pee, that doesn't feel great. That's not a good way to start your day. So that probably kind of, you know, affects how they handle things. It makes sense to me. Definitely. And and even outside of just the bedwetting, if let's say their parents are going through a divorce and right. we know we know that's super, super hard. Well, that could manifest itself in a lot of behavior problems and, and the child not knowing how to communicate or deal with those big emotions or big feelings. And then it could also exhibit itself as bedwetting. So we got to think about really the root cause here. There was an interesting article I found that was investigating whether or not bedwetting is more likely in children who have ADHD. And yeah, and there have been previous claims that kids with ADHD are more likely to wet the bed. 
that's kind of been de- debunked um, from, okay. from the research that I found. And it kind of just goes back to behavioral issues, right? If, if kids aren't dealing with their emotions properly or they're acting impulsively or all of these things are going on, they could be under undue amounts of stress or anxiety. That anxiety is what is causing, you know, the bedwetting issues and not necessarily the ADHD itself, if that makes sense. It does. So so lots of really interesting information out there. Of course, every kid's going to be a little bit different. And that's where you have to kind of check in with your your instinct as a parent and determine if this is baseline or if something is going on. Because there there also was a, a really comprehensive study that was published in the Journal of American Medical Association, which is JAMA, found an association between bedwetting and delays in developmental milestones. So huh. wow. they, they did find supporting evidence that bedwetting could be indicative of possible delays in development of the central nervous system. So Okay. So maybe it's a nervous thing, a nervous system thing. Yeah. Or um, something to do with uh, your muscular skeletal system, all of these kinds of things. There are some medical issues and genetic issues that can cause an increase in bedwetting. A lot of those are related to muscular function and your neuromuscular system. But but that's probably not the only sign in those cases. You know right. what I mean? There's probably other symptoms and other signals going on. A lot of times these things are super, super rare. But if your mom alarm is going off, it's worth bringing up to your doctor. It's worth looking into and asking about. Definitely. So don't think, oh my gosh, my kid's wetting the bed. They have a genetic disorder. No. (laughs) We did not say that. (laughs) We did not say that. But hmm, my child is having seizures. My child wets the bed. My child has some muscular control issues and is very uncoordinated. Maybe let's talk to a doctor about that, if that makes sense. So we're going to put this into, you know, the context of everything else going on holistically. Also, this could be a signal for diabetes in early children. Yes, I was hoping you were going to mention that because I know a couple people that that has been the indication. Wild, yes. right? And it's super wild. And that's all I want to do is mention it because that's like kind of a separate deep dive is like childhood diabetes. Again, and that is on my list. We will oh get to that. And I will love for you to get to that and not me because you're the medical mystery girl. It was funny because when I got into bedwetting, I found a lot more on the medical side than the parenting side. But I'll get to the parenting stuff. But um, just know, again, this is one sign. This is one signal. Take it into context with everything else going on with your child and seek appropriate care as needed. So for the rest of us that are living out there, living the struggle of a kiddo who pees the bed, how do we handle it? How do we make it through the stage, the phase that it, that it is? This can be especially aggravating and frustrating if you're to the point where your child just started sleeping through the night or if they just mastered potty training and then you have to deal with this, it's the worst. So let's talk about some, some things that you can do as a parent that may help you be more successful here. The best thing really to do is monitor their liquids and enforce a bedtime potty schedule. Make it part of the routine. Don't, you know, and, and doctors will tell you different things, you know, no drinks an hour before bedtime or two hours before bedtime. 
What you have to consider there, though, is your child still needs a certain amount of fluid intake every day. Don't let your kid get dehydrated. So you may have to adjust their schedule so that they're drinking regularly throughout the day so they're not super thirsty near bedtime and gorging themselves on Kool-Aid. We talked about bladder irritating foods. Those could be avoided close to bedtime. And that was the dyes, right? You mentioned the stuff. Yeah, the dyes. food food dye was in there, especially red dye is what it talked about. But then also, of course, sugary drinks, milk and acidic foods. Really try to focus on the underlying issue, especially if it is something to do with a routine or stress, definitely if it's trauma, and try to work on those instead of putting a Band-Aid on the problem and just dealing with the bedwetting. Try to really get down to the root cause. At the end of the day, when it comes to this, the best thing that you can do is try to just be forgiving and understanding. Don't be frustrated. Don't be aggravated. Don't punish your child ever for peeing the bed. It's an accident. That's what it is. They didn't mean to do it. They didn't do it to be spiteful to you. They had an accident and they need your help. And when you respond in frustration and in anger and in aggravation, that's internalized by your kid. And that doesn't help the issue. So be very aware of how you deal with it and, and try to not make a big deal out of it. Try to not make them feel guilty or at fault here. Try to not be angry with them. That's really a conversation you can have with your parenting partner too when you're going through all of this. And just kind of some pro tips that I've learned in my own personal journey with bedwetting, which we're now out of knocking on the wood here very, <laughs> very vigorously. Plastic liners are a game changer. If you don't have plastic liners on your kiddo's bed, you probably want to get some, especially if you're not fully 100% confident that they're out of the bedwetting stage. And then make sure you always keep a spare set of clean sheets stashed away where they're easy to get to and keep those clean so then you don't have to do the beach towel thing. And I'm telling you, nothing gets the stench of urine out like good old-fashioned white vinegar. I just throw it in the washing machine, and it takes care of business. So that's kind of my whole spiel on bedwetting, my friend. I hope that was helpful for you. That was helpful. The only thing that I would add to it is I know you mentioned the amount of time like before bed as far as restricting drinks. I know that both of us kind of expanded on that a good bit. Like (laughs) when our kids were that age, I want to say there was a period of time where I wasn't letting him have anything to drink for like over two hours, like almost three hours before he Mm -hmm. went to bed Mm -hmm. because otherwise we were in a mess. It was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those things you have to experiment with. But yeah, um, you got to take your take your own like every kid is different. Every situation is different. But you've got to kind of experiment with that a bit. It's so true. But don't be mad. That's all. Or if you are mad, be mad on your own separately. And don't put that on your child. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. One, two, three. Tell me about your pee. Oh, I like it. We are going to talk about urinary tract infections or UTIs. UTIs? A UTI. It is a riveting topic. I learned some interesting facts and I really want to share them with you all. So by definition, a UTI or urinary tract infection is an infection in any part of the urinary system. We'll break that down in a minute. 
Now, Miranda, from your own personal experience, what do you think of as symptoms of a UTI? (laughs) Oh, I can tell you all about it. There's pain. There's itching. There's burning. There's pressure. Your back hurts. You feel like you have to pee all day long. And every time you do pee, it feels like the flaming lava of Mordor is exiting your body. That's a really... Honestly, that's a really good summary. Um, (laughs) The top symptoms are a strong urge to urinate that doesn't go away. And y'all have experienced this. I'm pretty sure almost all of you have. But it's like you pee and you immediately feel like you have to pee again. It's It's terrible. It's terrible. Oh, my gosh. Then the burning, which Miranda mentioned. You have to pee often, but not that much comes out. So, you know, it's terrible. A lot of times the urine looks cloudy. Sometimes it will even be, and this is terrifying. I haven't personally experienced this, but sometimes the urine will be red, bright pink, or cola colored. Ooh, cola colored. Yeah, which I guess that is like a sign of blood in the urine, which is very serious. A lot of times it smells really strong, like it's not your normal pee. We talked about how many times we pee a day. Like, you know if something's off, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's off if you have a UTI. Pelvic pain, I think you mentioned that too. Mm. That's that's a big one in women almost exclusively. One thing that I definitely wanted to mention while we're on this topic is that in older adults, And I'm talking people 70 plus, UTIs can be mistaken for other conditions. It can often make older adults seem confused about like their everyday life, like normal life, like they have a normal life and but they're suddenly very confused. If an older adult has dementia, it can increase those symptoms dramatically and they won't have any other symptoms except for that confusion. So Mm. if any of you are caregivers to your parents or grandparents, Keep that in mind. If there's this sudden onset confusion, it could actually be a UTI, which I didn't get a chance to dig deeper into that, but you know I wanted to. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I've heard of that so often, especially for older women. Uh, yeah. UTIs can be really, really common. And then it gets really, you know, it blurs the lines with like Alzheimer's and delirium and things like that. Right. So, for really sure. crazy. So here's one thing that I learned is that there are multiple types of urinary tract infections. And each type has different symptoms, which I was never aware of this. There can be, you can can have a UTI that affects your kidneys. If that's what you have going on, you'll likely have a very high fever. You'll have back or side pain, nausea, and sometimes even vomiting. So Mm. that's almost like it's progressed really far. Yeah. But that's still a UTI. It's just it's in your kidneys. In your bladder. So you can have a UTI in your bladder. And that's usually the pelvic pressure feeling and the, the frequent need to pee blood in your urine or like lower belly discomfort. So that's bladder. The urethra, if you have a UTI that's just in your urethra, that's the burning 
when you pee. Mm. Or mm-hmm. sometimes there's like a discharge, which mm-hmm. is gross, but it happens. We we've all been there. So the causes of UTIs, and this got kind of interesting as far as I'm concerned as well. UTIs occur when bacteria enters the urinary tract through the urethra, and then it begins to spread upward. So that's what I was saying. Like if it's all the way to the kidneys, it's spread all the way through. Now the urinary tract is actually designed to keep bacteria out but occasionally its defenses will fail. And that's when you end up with a UTI. And then that's when the bacteria can get into your urinary tract and turn into an infection. Now, of course, us lucky women, Mm -hmm. these are much more likely in women than they are in men. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. But, um, An infection in the bladder, like I mentioned, the three different types, kidney, bladder, urethra, an infection in the bladder is usually caused by our old friend E. coli, who can can also cause some issues at your picnics. That type of bacteria is commonly found in the GI tract. Sometimes other bacteria are the cause. So I don't know if anybody's had like recurrent UTIs, but they usually do test it to figure out what bacteria is causing it if you have a recurring issue. Having sex, fun times, having sex can also lead to a bladder infection. So that's interesting. Now, Which is why you got to pee afterwards, right? right. Does that we'll help? Get, we'll, we'll get to the tips in a minute, but that is definitely one of them. Now, all women are at risk of bladder infections, largely just because of our anatomy. In women, our urethra is close to our anus. Men don't have that problem. And the urethral opening is also close to the bladder. So it's not very long. Like your re- urethra is short. So it's a short mm-hmm. trip, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. And so with it being as close as it is to your anus, things can go places that they shouldn't. We'll things put it that can way. go wrong. Things can they go can. wrong, ladies. An infection of the urethra is slightly less common, but that happens almost exclusively when bacteria from the GI tract or the gastrointestinal tract spread to the anus, from the anus to the urethra. These can also, and this is a UTI of the urethra can be caused by sexually transmitted infections. And that includes herpes, gonorrhea, chlamydia. So that happens because the urethra is close to the vagina. So not only is the urethra close to the anus, it's also close to the vagina. So all sorts of things can get in all sorts of places that they really shouldn't be. (laughs) All sorts of things can get in all sorts of places. They sure can. It's true. They can. Another important thing to mention, and this is, again, I, I don't mean to just harp on women, but I mentioned women have shorter urethras than men. So it's a longer, it's a shorter way to travel. So, like, if a man has a bacteria get into his urethra, it has to get all the way up his urethra to his bladder before he pees, because if he pees, it'll flush it out. Mm. For women, it's a shorter journey for those bacteria. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's not working to our advantage in this situation. Sexual activity is a risk factor, and 
people who are sexually active tend to have more UTIs and having new sexual partners also increases the risk. And that's probably going back to all of the situations I mentioned earlier. Certain types of birth control can cause an increased risk for UTIs. And that includes things like diaphragms or spermicidal agents. So y'all keep that in mind. I know that the condoms come with different stuff on them. Sometimes the spermicidal issues can lead to UTIs. And then menopause. Here's a really fun one. We all think we get to menopause and we're like, okay, we can have a break from this monthly nonsense. (laughs) Done, right? But the decline in estrogen that is caused by menopause can actually increase our risk of UTIs. Oh, wow. Compounded with everything else going on. Compounded with everything else going on. Now, there's a couple other things that are risk factors for UTIs. Of course, there are babies that are born with problems with their urinary tract. There's like a reflux condition having to do with the kidneys that can lead to more UTIs. Kidney stones, which we've already talked about. Anybody who is immune suppressed or folks with diabetes, those can cause an increased risk for UTIs or folks who have to use catheters on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, And that would be, you know, people with neurological problems or folks who Mm. are paralyzed or have other urination issues. And that's simply because something's going into the urethra and it could have bacteria on it. It could introduce something there, yeah. Exactly. And then, of course, anyone who um, has recently been treated for a urinary issue, if you've had something, it's it's likely that it could happen again. It's important to mention UTIs are not contagious. So if your girlfriend has a UTI and she pees in a bag at a concert and <laughs> that bag of urine touches you, you're not going to catch her UTI. Everyone keep that in mind. Good to know. That's actually really good to know. Yes. And I think that it's one of those things we all kind of assume that everything's contagious. UTIs are not contagious at all. And Um, they're not sexually transmitted. They're not sexually transmitted. However, they can be caused by those STDs or STIs that I mentioned earlier. The UTI itself cannot be caused by something. But if you have another issue, Mm -hmm. it can lead to a UTI. You you could introduce your partner to the same bacteria that caused your UTI to begin with. Right. Well, and it's kind of a separate thing, but there's correlation, I guess. Of course, you need to be treated for a UTI. It's not going to go away on its own. And if it's not treated, it can lead to more serious issues. Those include permanent kidney damage because it kind of tends to go up your urinary tract Oof. and, and yeah. the end of your, the, or the top of your urinary tract is your kidneys. So you don't want that to happen. And then of course, with many conditions in our body, the scary situation at the end of it is sepsis. So mm-hmm. that's, you know, you don't want to let it go. It's not going to go away on its own. 
Now, preventative tips. Miranda, you already mentioned one of them, but I'm going to hit the highlights here. And this is something that I have said on so many episodes, I have lost track. (laughs) I think I know what it is. Please guess. Drink water. Yes. I knew it. Plenty of liquids, especially water. Drinking water helps dilute urine, and this leads to urinating more often, which then flushes out the bacteria. If you're a girl, and I'm talking a cisgender female, if you are a cisgender female, wipe from front to back. Maybe this is me personally putting my stuff on it. I cannot imagine wiping any other way, personally. But if you are a person out there that has not gotten this memo, you wipe from front to back. That's so you don't get the stuff from the back up to the front because it causes issues. Same thing for the kiddos when you're changing the diapers. Front to back one to two one to two not two to one you don't do two to one (laughs) i've never heard it put like that but i love that one to two (laughs) you do not you go one to two not two to one that's awesome keep that in mind after you have sex and i will never forget i was in a i was in a dorm room i had never had sex before in my life and some people who had clearly had more life experiences than i were talking about well you always have to pee after you have sex and i remember thinking oh my gosh i don't even know what that means like what what is what is what, <laughs> what, why do you do that what like do do? what is like <laughs> Like, kind of like, what is sex? Also, um, but yes, always pee after you have sex. It flushes out the bacteria. They also recommended in this list to drink a full glass of water after sex, which is interesting because I usually want to go to sleep. But anyway, <laughs> avoid potentially irritating feminine products. And for a person like myself, and I'm sharing a lot about myself right now, but for a person like myself, my skin is incredibly sensitive, and that includes my entire body. So anything that has like deodorant sprays or perfumes Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. powders, this lists douches and a whole bunch of other things that I've never used. But, you know, be careful with that stuff because that Mm -hmm. can cause irritation, which can lead to a UTI. And if you're having issues, you might need to consult your OBGYN because sometimes a birth control method, and this is usually diaphragms or condoms that are lubricated, like I mentioned with the spermicide, you need to keep that in mind. You might need to switch that up a little bit. Here is the one bit of information that I have been waiting to share Oh, gosh, you're like super excited. I'm really excited about it. (laughs) Oh, wow. Because for my whole life, I have heard cranberry juice, cranberry, cranberry, cranberry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do that all the time. Right. If you think you have a UTI or you think you're getting a UTI or whatever Or like preventative, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, the bad news is that cranberry products likely don't help with UTIs once they've started. So there's not a single study that has shown that drinking cranberry juice or taking cranberry supplements actually treats a UTI. Really? 
Really? Not a single one. Not a single study. There were 24 large studies investigating cranberry products for UTIs, and they concluded that neither the juice nor the supplements Hmm. treats a UTI and neither the juice nor the supplement significantly reduces the person's risk of experiencing an infection. What? Oh, I've been doing it wrong, Melanie. We have all been misled. Oh my gosh. But I have also, okay, I was doing it so wrong that I thought I was doing it right because you hear about cranberry juice like, oh, yeah, it's really good. And like for me, it's a long road trip because I'm like, oh, man, I'm going on this long road trip. I don't want to drink a whole lot of water because then I'll have to pee and stop a whole lot. But also I'm dehydrated and I don't want to get a UTI. So when I get to wherever it is I'm going, I'm going to go buy cranberry juice. But then I learned that sugar increases infections and inflammatories and things in the body and so you don't go buy like the ocean spray cran cran cranberry cocktails none of those Those aren't gonna do shit because they're just loaded with sugar so instead i've been getting like the super bitter organic no sugar added the hardcore nudson's brand cranberry juice that's a harsh bevy right there oh it'll choke you so then it'll choke you you betcha. So <laughs> then I was like, I can't drink this stuff, right? So that's when I started doing the supplements. And I got a little, it's in my medicine cabinet right now. I've got my my little bottle there with all my little cranberry capsules. I just pop a couple of those. You, you're telling me that's useless. It's useless. Well, okay. Here's what I will say. The evidence is mixed on whether or not there's prevention. There is solid evidence that shows it does not work as a treatment. So if you think you have a UTI, forget the cranberry. It's too late. It's too late. It's too late. late. (laughs) The bacteria is already there. Oh, no. And it needs to be taken care of. Now, as far as, like I said, if it prevents it from developing in the first place, that evidence is mixed and they're not even certain of what the mechanism might be that Hmm. would actually work to help prevention Hmm. so there is one prominent theory and i found this in several different places but cranberries contain something called proanthocyanidins oh that's hard it's a very long word proanthocyanidins But the theory is that those prevent the bacteria from sticking to the walls of the bladder or the lining of the urethra. And if the bacteria can't stick, Stick then they'll get get flushed out. Oh, well, I mean, that kind of, there's kind of a logic there, sort of. Correct. However, you know, they they did 24 large studies investigated whether that was true or not, and none of them concluded that supplement or cranberry juice Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. significantly reduced the risk. So I, I just thought this was so funny and it was not the, I was expecting, you know, because I, I was thinking of UTI and I was expecting to be like, oh, I'm going to find out why cranberry. <laughs> we'll finally know the answer. <laughs> 
but uh, uh, that is not what I found. So it actually said in this one article, and of course, all of my sources are always cited on um, on our page, supplemental formulations of cranberry, including tablets and powders, often seem more palatable than sour tasting cranberry juice, like you just mentioned. <laughs> like the stuff I was choking down. <laughs> but they contain differing amounts of proanthocyanidins. In some cases, the amount may not be enough. Without an effective dose, a cranberry product is even less likely to prevent the bacteria from sticking to the urinary tract linings. Oh my goodness. So the science doesn't really seem to be there. Of course, there's no harm. Like, there's no harm in taking cranberry products. But there isn't necessarily a benefit either. And the one thing, I I looked at several articles because I was really trying to find what proved that it was a thing. But if you do decide to drink cranberry juice for UTI prevention, be sure to choose an unsweetened cranberry juice, like you mentioned, it's going to be, she's going to be harsh. It's going to be gonna bad. Be, it's going to be really bad. It's going to feel like those cranberries are crawling up and under your tongue and stabbing it from, from the inside yeah. out. And it's strong. In, in that regard, I'm going to leave you with this. I do not think that the benefits outweigh the risk, at least not from the research that I did. Well, that's what it sounds um, like. Yeah. Now, I mean, obviously, you know, if you're trying to prevent a UTI, drinking more fluids is never a bad thing. And, you know, because it's all about flushing. <laughs> yeah. You got to get it out of there. Flush it out. You got to flush out it out. Cranberry, it turns out, is not our savior. I don't know about you, but I kind of have to pee, Melanie. Well, we we better get to that. But first, let me tell you all about our spotlight for this week. And I just recently listened to the National Parks episode, and I apologize. I'm going to try to do better. <laughs> Are you going to have a lot of peas in this one? Well, I mean, it peas. is about pee, but... <laughs> Our uh, spotlight for this week is the Urology Care Foundation. It's the foundation of the American Urological Association. They support the improvement of urological care by funding research, developing patient education, and advancing humanitarian initiatives and pursuing philanthropic support. So they're trying to make everybody pee better. Their website is www.urologyhealth.org. So y'all check them out. And now I have to share my conspiracy theory on the cranberry lobby and how brilliant they were. (laughs) Whoever it was, whoever was the head Uh of the Cranberry Growers Association, like... (laughs) I don't, I try not to be too much of a conspiracy theorist, but I sort of feel like somebody that's the Uh head of the National Cranberry Growers Association (laughs) was, I feel like they were in good with a urologist of some sort and they started this whole narrative (gasps) that cranberries help, like maybe their sales were down. Sales are down, Farmer Bob. 
what are we going to do? Nobody's buying these cranberries. They only want them for their Thanksgiving turkeys in the, in the cans with the jellies. Oh, I do love that. I really do love that. But like, like, for wait real, a second. Though, I know a urologist. He can help us. And then there's like well, some money that changes hands somewhere. My cousin James is a urologist. Let me shit going on. Let me see what he thinks. <laughs> If you like what you hear from us, be sure to follow our show. And if you really like us, you can leave us a review on the podcast platform of your choice. We want to be friends with you. Connect with us on social media by following at Mother Mayhem Podcast or email us directly at mothermayhempodcast at gmail.com. I just want to to say that I hope everybody will pee at their best this week. Oh, oh, I knew you were going to put a pun in there. Just pee all that you can be, ladies. Thanks for listening.